Hello and welcome back to the Rooted Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Panetta. We are live in studio. As always, downtown Salem, Oregon. We have a great episode today. I always mention that Salem is home to Groundwork, the Leadership Institute, which we started with the intent to help build leaders from the ground up and truly raise the tide of leaders in our community. And today, it's it's a treat because we have another participant and uh, I guess you could say student or, or member of Groundwork uh, with us today. His name is Carlos Ruiz, and he is uh, a principal, an assistant principal at one of our high schools here. But he's also gone through Groundwork for the entire year. And so he's just going to be a, a great guest to have. And, and the insight that he's gained is not just based upon his own learning that he's had over the years, but specifically based upon things that we've, you know, learned in in the Institute. And so it's going to be great to hear from him. So we're going to welcome him here in a second. He's going to join us in studio, as well as our co-host, uh, Salam Noor. Uh, so uh, hope you enjoy today and uh, hope you're enjoying all of our other episodes for that matter. But uh, let's grab Carlos and Salam. All right. So we're back. We have Salam in studio, our co-host, as well as Carlos Ruiz, uh, principal and uh, assistant principal at uh, one of our high schools in our community, um, North Salem High School. And I've known Carlos, Salam, Salam's known Carlos longer than I have, but I've known Carlos for, I don't know, a couple of years now and always been very impressed with, with you, Carlos. I'm glad that you're here in studio with us. You're also one of our founding participants of Groundwork. Uh, you're in the first cohort ever and You've been an incredible uh, addition to that group. You've definitely added to uh, the experience, not just for myself, but for many others in the group. So I appreciate you and I appreciate the, the work that you do for uh, our, our kids and in our community, specifically in the North Salem community. So uh, that's, a, you know, that's a brief intro of, of Carlos, but Carlos, why don't you go ahead and take the reins and, and introduce yourself a little bit further. Sure. Thank you, Chris, and thank you, Salam, for creating space to um, have this conversation that I think it's going to help me just pause and really reflect on leadership. Um, I don't often have the, the luxury to do that outside of the groundwork sessions, so I thank you for making time to have this dialogue with leaders in our community um, and, and, and sharing this knowledge and sharing this content with uh, leaders in our community. Um, yeah, I am one of the assistant principals at North Salem High School. Uh, it's my fourth year there, and um, I more about me. I um, was a student in Salem Kaiser when I first came to the U.S. Um, came here as a middle schooler, and so uh, really proud to have traveled the journey that many of our students um, are on today, and that I get to be back in this community that um, served me, and I'm back in service. Um, went to Willamette University here in town, and uh, I'm a proud father of two. Uh, a three-year-old, a two, uh, a six-month-old, cute um, kids too, super cute, yes, and super fun. I know our kids are uh, a week apart or so. Yeah, yeah, our, our young, my youngest and Carlos's youngest were born a week apart. Yeah, uh, earlier this year, so that's kind of fun. COVID babies are the best. Yeah, <laughs> it's um, really made 2020 pretty awesome for me because of a new baby in the house. I mean, I can't complain when I get to walk home to the to a cute little little baby. So. I'm yeah. sure you feel the same. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. And my, my wife is an educator. She's a fourth grade teacher. Um, her school feeds into North. So it's just great to see her kids grow and come to North and um, then watch them grow and graduate and go into big things. 
Yeah, and and you're originally from is it Michoacan? Is Michoacan. That, okay, yes, Michoacan. Right. Yep. I did a great job with my name and first name and last name and also the the state. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, hablo español. Remember, I speak Spanish. Claro so sí. Not perfect, but uh, yeah, speak a little bit of Spanish. Yeah. Uh, and Carlos is an avid runner too. I mean, the dude. That's right. Yeah. The guy can run. So uh, I've only I've I've seen him at the gym. I've seen you at the gym running on the treadmill, but I've heard stories. About you just killing it in marathons, Portland, Portland marathon. Then you get second up there one time, or that was the the half marathon the half one marathon? year. I okay. got second, yeah. Okay, I think uh, my best finish in the full was a uh, tenth place. So okay. I was pretty proud of I mean, that. That's, that's pretty impressive. That's, that's very impressive. <laughs> yeah, and you ran in college, right, at Willamette? Yeah. Um. So my running career started in high school at McKay High School, where I graduated from. Um. And I was a soccer player. I loved soccer, and. Uh, Track became an interest just because I wanted to keep my fitness going. And um, during PE, one of my teachers was like, hey, you should come out for track. It'll help you uh, stay in shape for soccer. Um, and you ran a pretty fast mile just now. So um, <laughs> I made that transition over to track. And then I got really competitive and uh, discovered uh, a talent um, that came with work ethic and discipline, too, that over the years just... Uh, led me to uh, discover a new passion. Um, and I think running today, um, you know, as competitive as I try to be, is also just um, uh, the best way that I can um, just stay balanced. It's my way of getting out there in nature and kind of flushing things out because our, our work is, um, our job is uh, challenging. Mm -hmm. So I need to just kind of reset. And so I love getting out there and uh, being in nature and, um, having time to think and again, flush things out and come back and, and be ready to give my best. That's good. I was going to ask you, you know, just what, what running does for you, even though you're not, you know, it's not like you're running competitively in college, you know, or, or, or anything like that. You do marathons and whatnot, but uh, I was going to ask you what it does for you as a person and even as a leader, but you already answered it. Mm -hmm. It's a nice way to yeah, stay balanced. I mean, it's, it's nice to, again, uh, prove myself and improve, right? Like, um, and improve my times and, just feel fit, the fitness coming along. Um, but I think at the same time, I keep reflecting on what running has done for me. And I think that's something that um, as I see myself lead uh, beyond the school community, um, I, I it's something that I want to share with my community too. And so it's, it's um, I think it's a work in progress or a, a reflection in progress, I should say. Um, how can I offer this to... Mm -hmm. Uh, my community, um, and particularly targeting the Latinos, because yeah. um, I can tell you after I uh, had my success at McKay, um, lots of other Latinos came through from McKay and either took down my records. Um, <laughs> two of them actually ended up being teammates with me at Willamette. So I think there's something there that uh -huh. um, I um, there's a passion um, for me, obviously, but I want to take that passion and do something with it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I think I think that's really a cool story because quite often um, we we don't realize our impact and uh, that is really a true example of impact. So you have records; others are competing to overcome those records. Um, I think that's empowerment. I, I think that's in an indirect way you've made a difference. You've made an impact because you led. Mm -hmm. So when you lead, sometimes you're first or you set a mark. And then somebody else is going to try and outdo that mark. But without leadership, that person may not have had that second, that opportunity. So I, I compliment you. I know we don't like it when others break our records, but sometimes actually it's a, 
it, it's <laughs> emblematic of leadership and, you know, you're, you're calling people to rise to the occasion. So I think that's exciting. Yeah. I think it's great to just be good enough to have a record. I, that must be nice. <laughs> um, I have another uh, question to, to ask you, but before Salam, you've known Carlos longer than I have any, you know, anything else you want to add to just introducing Carlos, anything you want to add to, you know, the type of leader and person that he is before we jump in? Uh, absolutely. I've had the pleasure of working with Carlos for uh, for a few years now when I was with the Salem-Kaiser School District and most recently when I returned uh, to work with Mountain West Investment and a lot of the effort and, and focus of Mountain West Philanthropy is the Salem-Kaiser School District. And it is really a privilege to work with Carlos and it's a privilege to see him in in different roles, if you will. Um, I don't know if my kids had you at, at West, you taught at yeah. West. I think, I, I think my kids, so there's, a couple of your, your so kids. it's a personal relationship, uh, as well. It's a personal connection and, and, uh, I am grateful for your you positive, know. yeah, your positive influence on my children. Um, and, and you were an outstanding teacher there. So when you went to North, I was really excited about that. I was excited about the fact that you're getting into a leadership role in the administrative track of education. And I was excited about that because we live in a community where many of our kids don't have role models. So your story is a phenomenal story. You, you came to this country as an immigrant. You grew up in this community. You've benefited from what this community has to offer you. You have a deep understanding of the opportunities and the barriers that may be facing kids like you, if you will, and family like your, families like yours. So I was really thrilled to see you in that role because you can do more. I mean, we, we talk about impact. We talk about how we affect others. You can do more by seeing people in that role in the way that you do, empowering them, enabling them, and demonstrating to them what success really looks like. So um, I've been really impressed with you as a as a teacher, and now even more impressed with seeing you lead as a as a as a administrator in the district at North Salem High School. And and quite frankly, I've seen you grow uh, so much, and uh, have seen you contribute in new and different ways. And I'm very excited about the work that you're doing now, and and uh, equally important, the work that you're going to do moving forward. So. Um, what I've always loved about you too, Carlos, is that you use the term community with authenticity. So we, we typically fill different roles, whether it's in education or other public sectors, if you will. And we use the term community, but we use it almost in an abstract way. But when you say community, the meaning of it, the essence of it, the value of it comes across very sound and, and you know, loud and clear to me. And I've always appreciated that, that you are very keenly aware of who the community is, the immediate Latino community, perhaps, and the broader community. And you really want to have a positive influence or effect on the community. So uh, I appreciate and I admire your leadership. And I'm really glad we're having this conversation today. I've been looking forward to this for some time. Thank you, Salam. I it's pretty surreal to be sitting here in front of Salam, who's now, um, who's contributing to my leadership today. Um, but, you know, backtracking 15 years ago when I was, um, actually not that far, 10 years ago when I was in, in the classroom, 
Um, it just felt like such a distant, you know, he was the assistant superintendent and I would just always see him, see him from afar. Uh, but today he's such a close uh, a friend and a mentor. Uh, so I appreciate what you have done and uh, contributing to my growth as a leader. Well, it's a, it's a privilege. It's truly a privilege. Awesome. Thank uh, you. Yeah. Car thank you, Carlos. Um, you know, you, you touched on this briefly um, when you're introducing yourself, but uh, always love to dive in at the beginning on what, you know, your journey was to getting to where you are now, why you chose this path. And again, you, you briefly touched on that, uh, you know, when we started, but go ahead and tell us your story, you know, your origin story. Why, why did you get into education? Um, you know, what, a, what, where's the, where's the passion derived? What's it deriving from? And, and, uh, why do you do what you do and how'd you get here? Yeah. So I think it's fair to say that I am not here. I didn't do it myself. Um, there was a lot of what I call risk takers in my family that um, have facilitated the path for me. And so it started with my, my grandpa who uh, passed away two years ago, but he was 96. And, uh, you know, he, be, he, be, you know, he was a Bracero. He's, he was part of the Bracero program back in the 1940s uh, during World War II when there was a uh, labor shortage here in the U.S. And he took a risk by coming over to uh, El Norte or the North as um, he knew it. Uh, it wasn't the United States. It was, I'm going North and I don't know uh, where north, but I'm going north. So he took a risk, and um, it's because of him that uh, my family um, ended up in Oregon. Uh, generations, um, you know, my mom's side of the family is pretty big, uh, 13 kids, and so one after another um, came up north, and uh, you know, to discover their own path. And uh, so a risk taker was my grandpa. My parents uh, soon followed and uh, brought us here. Um, and so I, uh, just appreciate the sacrifice that my parents have made so that I could really focus on what they sold me as the opportunity when I first came to this country, which was education, education, yeah. education. And yeah. so, um, education was what opened a lot of doors for me and, um, what also led me to consider being an educator, um, and serving back in my community because I see that there's multiple doors of opportunities when students um, really focus on having and, and, and being intentional about their education. Yeah. You know, I, uh, you've shared before in another setting about your grandpa, I can't remember when, but, but it just struck me, you know, the similarity there um, with your grandpa taking that risk to go, you know, come North. Um, my dad's from the Philippines and he was born and raised there. So, um, he, he was the first to move to the United States and in, in his family. Um, but my grand my grandfather received citizenship, you know, long before that. Cause when he was a kid, when he was, I think he was probably, you know, 15, 16 years old, um, uh, during world war must've been world war two when the, the Japanese were, were in the Philippines. Um, he, uh, took a risk and, um, volunteered to, you know, pose as a, uh, you know, a, a Filipino sales boy to go into Japanese camps and basically gather information. And it became kind of a, you know, top secret, uh, a bit of information that he gathered. And, and he did that for, for the U S military. So they, they ended up granting him citizenship mm -hmm. because of the ways he began to serve, um, 
uh, over there. And so that was kind of, you know, his introduction into, you know, the family coming into the United States. Um, my father was the first one to actually move here when he became an adult, but then everybody soon followed, uh, after that. Um, but you know, when you talk about people that took risks before us mm-hmm. and it's really important in, in our growth and who we, who we are and who we become. And, and if we have people like that in our life, I think it's important to, to understand their story and, and, um, and why they, you know, why they did what they did, because uh, it certainly contributes to, to who we become, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I know now that, you know, you have kids and all of us have kids here, it, it's kind of, we're thinking about that on the, on the back end now too, of what yeah. are we leaving for, for the people that come after us, um, for them to be inspired by, um, and to be motivated by. So it's kind of a, a fun timeline to, to think about it that way. Yeah, for sure. Um, I really, I love that story. When we did a meet to learn with Carlos, he, he told us about his grandfather and I've heard you, I've actually met your grandfather that because was at that was one it. event at McKay, uh, yeah. it was actually our leadership meeting in the fall and, and he came and he told the story and you were actually there with him. And I remember that very vividly. And I remember how proud you were and how proud he, he is of, he was of you. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really interesting that you, uh, you describe that as risk-taking and it, it certainly is. I came to this country as an immigrant at age 16. I came by myself. And if I were to compare my story with yours, I would say my father and yours and Chris's for that matter, my father was a risk taker, you know, and, and the risk taking for him is sending his 16 year old son into the United States all by himself mm-hmm. as a first generation immigrant. But there's something that our, 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 you know, fathers, parents, grandparents see that um, we probably can't relate to totally today. Um, so I want to kind of ask you to talk a little bit about risk taking in the context that you operate in mm-hmm. when it comes to your leadership and what that actually looks like in the environment that you operate in, which is a school and a district. Mm-hmm. And if you were to do, if you were a risk taker, um, what do you, th- what, what do you hope the outcome would be from being a risk taker and what does that actually look like? Yeah, I think I, I think of risk taking and I associate that with innovation um, and, you know, doing things differently, trying something new, trying something different. Um, and so in education, that's, uh, that's key, just like it is in other um, companies um, that are not related to education. I think it's key to, uh, to try new things. If we keep doing things the same way that we did a decade ago when we look at the demographics of our school and, um, you know, the community has changed. Um, how are we changing with the community? Uh, so it really, uh, to me, risk-taking is innovating and bringing different uh, stakeholders together to do that, um, that the ideas are not just in one person, but the ideas are always flowing in uh, different individuals that are contributors to that community. Yeah. And who benefits the most when, when we have leaders like you that recognize new patterns, if you will, in the environment that you're in, which is a school or the broader community, new trends, new developments. Who who is the benefactor of the risk taking mm-hmm. that you and and others that you would engar- encourage to yeah. to do the same? I mean, I think the purpose of innovating and doing things differently is to have the uh, desired outcome, right? And sometimes you have that desired outcome. Sometimes maybe you fall a little short. 
But I think in the end, uh, you learn from taking that risk and uh, maybe even learning from failures. Uh, failures can really teach you a lot too. Uh, so winning is not always the the way to uh, grow, but I think it's those failures that really teach you too and leave you with something. Is it important that your students and even teachers, quite frankly, in the in the role that you're in, see you as willing to take risk? Oh, uh, is is that a true characteristic mm -hmm. of leadership, for example? Yeah, I think that uh, for me, it means that I'm modeling the way um, and the teachers are modeling the way because we're always asking our students to take risks themselves. Uh, maybe for a student, it just means speak up and share with your uh, peers, right? And that's taking a risk. So with that comes like creating safe spaces where risk taking and failure is acceptable and it's part of the process. Um, obviously, we have the outcomes in mind as our focus, but um, we need to model the way for our students. Can you say a little bit more about, you know, what's at risk? You know, when we're talking about taking risk, I mean, what, what's at risk uh, um, when we use that language of, of mm -hmm. you know, we got to take a risk. Well, what, what is it that is at risk that makes it sometimes hard to do it? Yeah, I think it. It, it can be a lot of things, but um, I think what people are fearful of when they take risks is really their own comfort, um, mm. protecting their own comfort. And um, it's it's natural that we like to live within our comforts. It's easier to do that, right? But I think um, pushing past your comfort, um, again, we ask that for our students. And so it's um, not only good, but it's necessary for us to uh, model that for our students. So. It's really um, not having, um, I think one of our groundwork sessions was around clarity. And so having clarity, but not always having uncertainty or having certainty, sorry, not always having the certainty. Yeah. So diving into the unknown with the um, idea that you're going to grow at minimum and that you're going to learn at minimum. Yeah, there's definitely a level, level of comfort that that's at risk. And some of that comes with our you know, our, uh, our reputation, you know, that we, that, that might be at risk, especially for leaders. Um, you know, our, our reputation, reputation might be at risk as well. Can you, can you say a little, speak to kind of how risk changed when you became, you know, a leader now in some degree, all of us can lead, um, and all of us have leadership opportunities, but when you transitioned from being a teacher, which there's plenty of mm -hmm. opportunities to lead as a teacher, but mm -hmm. different than an administrator. Yeah. So talk about the transition from when you were a teacher to becoming an administrator where your title is a leader and mm -hmm. how did the risk change? You know, was it, cause yeah. in my opinion, I think when you, when you take on leadership roles, risk is heightened, you know, mm -hmm. it, it's, it increases mm -hmm. along with the role uh, that we take over, but talk, talk to us about that yeah. transition and, and as it relates to risk or, or anything else that, mm -hmm. you know, that comes to mind when you think about yeah. that transition that you made? That's a good question, Chris. Um, I think when you're teaching and you are working with students, you're facilitating learning. Um, it's day to day, you know, your things every day and um, you're adjusting, making adjustments the next day. Um, you're learning as you go too. And um, I think that students are um, very graceful and forgiving, um, especially if you, or vulnerable with them and you say, Hey guys, I, it's the first time I'm trying this activity, but, uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, we're going to learn in the process and, you know, just have real, 
have real, have clear um, outcomes in mind for that lesson, but it may not go your way because um, your learners are different too. So mm. um, there, I think in teaching, I just had that day-to-day um, -day, um, opportunity. And in leadership, um, you're in charge of initiatives, you're in charge of um, groups, and it's a longer process. Um, and I think the day-to-day -day you can um, try different things, but not make big changes because it involves more than just one individual. It's a collective. Um, and so I think it's just um, riskier because now you're also, um, and when I say riskier, it's like it just feels riskier because you're kind of like um, in the spotlight and you're leading. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the key to leading is to bring others along and to lead with others so that way you're not the center of the leading, but you're facilitating the the leading and the service. Yeah. And timelines even kind of alt uh, impacted as well. You know, when you take on leadership roles, we don't always see things right away, you know, or maybe in the classroom, you get a, you get to see the faces and, and hear the comments from the kids right in the moment, you know, you're on the ground kind of working in the trenches, so to speak, mm -hmm. versus in a leadership role, you know, decisions are made, you don't always get to see or feel the impact right away. And so it feels like you said, riskier. It feels like, mm -hmm. well, I, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know how this is going to go. Um, where in the classroom, you might be able to see it um, a lot quicker. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other thing is that um, you're leading not only a small group or an initiative, but everything's tied to everything in the building. So it's like a web of things that are connected and should always be connected because uh, nothing should function and in, in a silo, right? Yeah. And so everything is connected. And sometimes um, it is important just to be, um, to be intentional, not sometimes, always, it's important to be intentional and be thoughtful about how this piece connects to the other piece. Yeah, yeah. I, I wanna, if I can, I wanna zero in on something mm -hmm. here, cause I think it, I think that a lot of leaders and people out there can relate to this because it happens for anybody who becomes a leader, there's, this phase, right, where you're going from, in your case, you were a teacher and you became an administrator. So there's this, there's this transition period that happens for, for leaders where they once, they used, they once were not a leader by, by title, by role, right? But then they become one. And so that brings with it a whole lot of responsibilities and pressures. And so talk to us a little bit about that, you know, like what, what, what was hard about that? Um, and, what what was what was in what was fulfilling about that? What you know? What did you what do you miss about you know maybe being in the trenches teaching that you don't fully get right now as a leader? You know, tell us and answer those however you'd like in whatever order you'd like. But just tell us about that transition, the challenges, the the joys, etc. Yeah. Um, I think what I miss the most is um, obviously in the classroom you're directly connected to students. Um, and I've always seen teaching and then um, my new role as an assistant principal, I've always, I've always wanted to see parallels. And I think a lot of the times I do find parallels and sometimes maybe I try to force it, but I think there's a lot of parallels that I have found. And so in the classroom, I would have a direct um, connection to students. I would get the aha moments. I facilitate the learning and um, you know, I just see the the bright um, uh, spots go up, and so uh, I see the lights and um, and the learning, and so 
now I work with adults. And so working with adults, it's a, it's a different dynamic. Um, but like I said, it's still a parallel because it's relationship based. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, my interactions with the students, a lot of those things that work with students do work with adults. Um, and I think the challenge is that you do have some, um, complex, uh, personalities, um, for whatever reason, right? Like humans are complex. And so, um, I think that's been one of the, the challenges, um, uh, dealing with the adult brains, uh, not only in facilitating learning for them, but also in just um, being partners uh, in the work. And so uh, it still brings me back to relationships. Yeah. So, um, you know, being part of the outward mindset um, learning has been critical to then bring me back to the bottom of the pyramid where I am building relationships. Yeah. And so that's that's critical, even if if you're in the classroom, if you're with teachers. Um, it's foundational. Yeah. And even, you know, uh, in our rooted framework that you've, you know, gone through this year, when we talk about soil, um, cultivating the soil, it really hinges upon, in a lot of ways, our ability to build and maintain really healthy and positive relationships. Um, uh, we were just doing a, I was just doing a podcast uh, a couple of days ago um, with another individual, and he mentioned that, that if you're not, if you don't have the ability to build relationships and you're not ready to lead, you know, and in, in one way, that's something that never changed, right? Because in the classroom, you, it was important to build relationships. When you're a leader, it's important to build relationships, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I think, you know, for leaders, it's a, it's a, it's a must almost. I mean, you have to be able to, to build relationships um, and know to which degree those relationships need to be uh, maintained, um, mm -hmm. because my relationship with, you know, Salam is going to be different than my relationship with mm -hmm. somebody else that I work with. Right. And, and so being able to, to understand those dynamics and still be able to, to build them, mm -hmm. um, where it's nice to have in all situations in life, it's almost a necessity when we're a leader, right? It's yeah. a requirement. We need to be able to, mm -hmm. to have relationships. So I love that that's, mm -hmm. you know, one of the things that, that, um, uh, you know, that you've gleaned, you've, you've learned, you've learned through that, that transition. Yeah. yeah. Carlos, uh, speaking of relationships, um, I, I want to sort of take us back to a couple of things that we talked about already. And one is, is this notion of risk-taking and sacrifice. And I want to come back to running and reflection, but I'm going to hold on to that thought. I want you to talk a little bit about building relationships with North students and families. What does that look like? Mm -hmm. uh, you've taught in two different schools. You've worked in two different schools. You worked mm -hmm. at West Salem High School, and now you're at North Salem High School. So as a leader, you recognize the importance of building relationships and cultivating that, that soil, so to speak, that soil work. Uh, but talk a little bit about how those relationships are just vital to being able to lead and serve students in a school like North, in a community like North, mm -hmm. and how those relationships go beyond the student, because you're probably building, I know, not probably, I know for a fact, you work really hard on community and parent and family engagement. Why is that important? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that one of my fears uh, before I decided to um, dive into being an assistant principal was that I would be disconnected from students. Um, 
that was one of the reasons that I hesitated sometimes to even throw myself in the pool of candidates. And so, um, because that's the piece that I've missed the most about teaching, have a more, having a more direct impact on students, um, or a more direct, consistent connection with them. Uh, it's something that I've been very intentional about. And so whether that's me, um, doing lunchtime supervision uh i'm not just the body in the cafeteria i'm actually going around getting to know names getting to know stories uh every student has a story and uh, to me it's about just peeling layers to their story and also sharing my story with them uh, making sure that they see me uh, not just as an assistant principal or as a body in the cafeteria but as as a human being and and i think that naturally there's a lot of uh, layers that connect me to students. Um, you know, 60% of our students are Hispanic. And so uh, as a Hispanic, um, I am able to uh, get to cultural layers that other leaders may not have. And that's an advantage for me, but it's also um, just as beneficial for those students that are not Spanish speakers. I'm really intrigued by our Pacific Islanders, um, you know, our white students, um, there's a high level of poverty at North, so I can relate to poverty. And so um, lots of those things, I'm able to still connect with students at a deep level. And so then I've moved from those interpersonal connections to how do I share my power with students? And so for me, that means that I'm bringing, to, uh, I'm bringing students to the table with me um, and with our administrative team so that we share the power with them and that they are a part of decision-making and same things goes with uh, families. Um, so bringing families to the table so that we can empower them. For me, uh, there's this concept in education about student voice. And to me, that's superficial because um, it's just hearing students, listening to students, that's different than uh, empowering students. And so I think for me, empowering students is sharing my power with students and then being a part of processes at school of um, just decision-making. And, and you're doing that, actually, right now. You and I have had lots of conversations about a core leadership group that you're forming at North. And I love the way you characterize that, and I'd like you to say more about it. Um, you talked about student voice, and quite often it's not just asking for an opinion. In, your, in this particular case, you are really um, not just sharing your power, you're giving up your power. Mm. Because I, I also heard you say that there will come a time where they were would they would lead and facilitate and run the meetings and the gatherings and the conversations. So, um, talk about how that is different from other opportunities where we solicited student voice, and why is it important, and what what could be the impact of such an experience for students. Mm -hmm. Well, I've always seen leadership in our students. And again, obser or observing students during lunchtime, interacting, um, having students come up to me and advocating for themselves or their peers. Um, there's a lot of pockets of leadership that I've seen. Um, and for me, it was more about creating a space where our students could do something with those leadership skills. And so here we have a group of uh, 25 students at North that we meet, we, we meet with uh, biweekly. And, um, uh, you know, in collaborating with you, Salam, um, th these are students that we want to be um, helpful to improve the culture and the climate at North and improve the outcomes of our graduation rate. 
but really improve the sense of belonging um, at our school. Um, and beyond that, I think um, we want them to be involved at the community level because um, uh, I truly believe that the students that graduate from our school um, go out into the community and I see them providing some of the best customer service in, in our town. And, you know, they're multilingual, they're bicultural. Um, they have these assets that will make them uh, just super valuable in our community. They are assets to our community. And um, I think providing them a space to build um, their leadership capacity and, and opportunities to lead in our community really early on um, is going to be uh, really fruitful for our community. That's great. It's very exciting work. Yeah. Can I, I want to ask a, a question. I'm really intrigued by um, the use of, you know, the choice of words that, that both of you have used in, in talking about something really important, you know, which is providing a voice for the students and the families. Um, you mentioned sharing your power. Salam said giving up, you know, your power to uh, leaders that can be you know, one of those risks that we take is, are we willing to give up some of our power, share it? Could you, you know, speak to what that might look like? Because we we're going to have, you know, we have listeners that are not all in education. They're in the nonprofit space, business space, government. Um, what would it look like for them? Um, and you can put yourself in their shoes mm -hmm. to share the power or give up power like that, to hear the, the voice of others. Um, and uh, why that might be a little scary, right? Because mm -hmm. to me, in, in education, it's like, duh, we should be hearing from the kids and, and give, you know, that's the whole point. That's why we're mm -hmm. doing it is to help mm -hmm. them grow and develop. In other industries, it might be a little, I see it as being a little more challenging to want to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, well, no, I'm in charge. I don't want to give other people the, the ability mm -hmm. to do this or that when that's my decision to make sort of a thing. Mm -hmm. So can you speak to that a little bit? If that question, does that question make sense? Um, a little bit. It's so in other industries, other industries. Other, yeah. Mm -hmm. What what does it look like to share power, give up power mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. in, in an effort to help things move forward and to better, to better our outcomes? Mm -hmm. What does that look like? Yeah. Um, I mean, it, to me, it's just, uh, it's a leadership style. It comes to a leadership style, which, uh, I think a great leadership style that I've observed, um, over the years and in individuals that I look up to is they're collaborative, they share their leadership, um, they partner with people, um, you know, that students, families. Uh, so in other industries, I think that can also happen um, with your employees. To me, as a leader, you know, like you're not just the manager, the one that delegates, uh, the one that leads and has all the answers. But I really enjoy this visual that my current principal shared uh, with our kids at one of our sessions where he said, um, you know, there's this pyramid and you're the leader. So you reach the top. But when you reach the top, you actually flip the pyramid and you're at the bottom supporting those uh, and supporting um, to others. And so to me, that means that you're the supporter, you're the partner, you're the facilitator, you're the, the sustainer, the collaborator, um, and you're a servant leader to others. Um, and that involves listening um, really, again, bringing them uh, alongside to lead the work. That's really important. And, and I, again, I love the language of, are we willing to give up some of the power, share the power? Um, I think it's, you know, it's important to, to, to do that in any industry. Um, you know, we're, we're leaders and you've said this, but we're leaders not to, 
to be at the helm and get all the attention, but we're mm-hmm. leaders to to help others mm-hmm. grow and and to develop and 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 obviously help our organization achieve the res- the the results and outcomes that we're aiming for, um, whatever those might be. But we're also, you know, we're leaders to to develop other leaders to develop people around us, um, and we can't do that if we keep it all to ourselves, keep all the power to ourselves. We have to mm-hmm. be willing to to let go of it, and and that's a risk. Um, because sometimes we don't know what people are going to do with it when we mm-hmm, give it true, to them, true. and that can be scary. Uh, but you know that's the that's the point, um, mm-hmm. and that's uh, you know part of our role as as a leader. Yeah, um, Carlos, you talked about style. You talked about leadership style, and we know that is a characteristic that um, you know differentiates or distinguishes leaders from one another. Some have a collaborative style, um, an inclusive style. Some have more of a top down style. Uh, I'd be really curious to have you talk a little bit about your leadership style and what influenced that the most that made you the leader that you are today. And I also would love to hear how the Groundwork Leadership Institute that really focuses on leadership and especially using this framework of soil seeds and weeds affected you Mm -hmm. and your leadership style. Yeah. I think the groundwork has been instrumental for me because um, it just reminds me that I'm not alone in this work. Sometimes you see school and community as separate things, and I think it's a school community. So coming together with other leaders from our community um, and groundwork um, just has really um, helped me to learn from others and their leadership styles, their own doubts, their own challenges that they face in the work. so I think um, I see myself as a collaborator and, and, a, and a facilitator of the work that I do. Um, and I think collaborating beyond the school with community members, um, that's the next level for me. And that's the level that I've been pushing myself towards um, in coming together um, through groundwork um, to connect with others in the community, to bring them into the school. And Salam, you uh, came two weeks ago with several of them to um, help us at North Salem High School with an initiative there that we have. And so I think it's just, you know, not working in silo, but um, looking in others for answers too. Yeah. Uh, I, I really have always appreciated and admired that about you. You, you. you said school community, and you and I have had conversations before about a learning community. And I appreciate your intentionality in connecting the school and the community, and also thinking even deeper about who is the community? What does that really consist of? So if you could talk a little bit about soil, you know, Mm -hmm. this is something that we talked a lot about in this podcast around the Rooted Leadership Framework. So it sounds like soil to you from a definitional point of view is is much bigger now. Perhaps initially it was just the school north, Mm -hmm. but now maybe as a result of this experience, you think about soil more broadly. Mm-hmm. And when you talked about innovation, which is part of the seeds, you know, section of this framework, um, that is an important part of having the right soil, if mm-hmm. if you will. So if you could just touch on that a little bit, I would appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, soil in our content is defined as the, the people, the individuals, right? And so um, I think for me, it's um, seeing the humanity in others and um, I want to model in leading teachers what I want them to model and, and do with students. So um, 
like I said, there's been some complex personalities um, that that I've worked with, and um, I go to the bottom of the pyramid of building relationships. And uh, there's a uh, there's a friend in uh, groundwork that is part of the same uh, the leadership institute that I connect with weekly, uh, where we we really are building each other accountable and seeing people. Um, and so last week I connected with this friend. Uh, and he reminded me, he asked me some questions um, about uh, this individual that I was um, having some difficulties with. Um, and those questions led me back to do some soil work, which was, uh, it led me to connect with this individual um, on a weekly basis. So we have a schedule where we just check in um, and we connect as individuals. We made a rule that we're not going to talk about schoolwork that we just wanted to connect as humans. And so I think if we are to, uh, or in making change in our schools, um, we have to be willing to change ourselves. Sometimes we wanna change an outcome, we wanna change, you know, we wanna see the results that um, that we wanna get, but um, we need to look at how we can change ourselves for us to dive into the right work. And I think one of those areas in education is uh, doing equity work and doing more self-awareness, more learning um, about ourselves um, so that we are more mindful and more intentional about how we go about our work. And, you know, at North, um, both of you uh, know that we've done the outward leadership or outward mindset training there with staff. So we have a common language um, to really focus on our humanity because uh, the work is difficult, but um, it, it should not... Um, sidetrack us from being uh, first and foremost uh, human beings and being kind to each other. So I think equity is the other critical consciousness concept that we're bringing so that we are self-aware on how what we say, what we think, how that's either contributing or not to um, achieve the desired results that we have. Great. Thank you. Yeah, a lot of, lot of uh, you know, nuggets in there. And one of the first that I heard you, you know, address, obviously seeing the humanity in others, something that constantly comes up in each episode that we, we do. Um, and, and obviously because outward mindset is a really important piece to our community of Salem, uh, now, and so many organizations in our, in our, uh, community, but also because of, you know, the rooted framework and soil. Um, so that's a really important thing. And, and it's something that, um, you know, to consider for any li listeners, anybody listening, whether you you familiar with outward mindset, familiar with things that we're talking about or not, I mean, ask yourself: Are you are you seeing the humanity, you know, of of others um, around you day to day? And and if you're like me, you likely fail at it a lot, but it's something to worth considering. And then you you talked about another thing, um, you know, you said accountability and being willing to change first um, as leaders, and that's an important part of our of our framework in the, you know, in, in, in groundwork in our leadership Institute in the rooted framework, cultivating soil. That's really step number one, if you will, right. Of being accountable and being willing to change first. And that's a hard thing to do. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and you spoke to the importance of it. Are we willing to be, to, to look in the mirror and ask how we can change mm -hmm. be the first to change in this scenario? Because I think we live in a time where it's really easy to point our fingers and uh, at others and and assume that they're the ones that need to change, and rightfully so because other mm -hmm. people do need to change a lot of times. Uh, yeah. But nothing changes until we change, 
And so I think that's another, you know, thing that you, you brought up. And I think both of those components, you know, seeing the humanity in others and being willing to change first are, like you said, really important mm-hmm. contributors in allowing, um, an outcome like equity to be, to happen. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I don't think you can have it without, without that, without people willing to change mm-hmm. and without people seeing each other's people, you don't have, um, uh, equity. Uh, it's just not something that's important mm-hmm. unless you have those components to it. Uh, so thank you for sharing uh, those things. Yeah. And sure. I mean, it reminds me too, teaching is just, it's a two-way road. Um, it's not just the teacher imparting knowledge, but it's um, what are our students teaching us and how are they changing us? And if they are not, then are we really um, open to yeah. being the receivers of that, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, we could, there's a lot to to continue to learn from mm-hmm. you. We have about, little over 10 minutes left. So I want to, I want to pick your brain, um, on a couple of questions, uh, uh, as specifically to, to leaders, you know, things that they can, um, uh, be taking away from, from, from you personally. And so, uh, and you can answer this however you want, but I, I'm curious on some of your, your, your failures, you know, where you've fallen short, um, as a mm-hmm. leader and uh, what you've learned from those things. Yeah. I think one of my, learnings i would say um you know to replace failures because i think there's opportunity and and learnings that come with um uh the failures right um i i've been in the past i've compared myself to other leaders um and i don't think that has been good i just have fallen into this comparison trap where you know there is your lead person your principal that is leading the way and um you look to them and you see them as the leader. Um, and then you look at yourself. And I think that's been uh, a trap for me that um, I am and I need to be myself um, in order to serve others better. And so it's been a journey for me of just rediscovering my own assets and uniqueness um, as a leader. And I think even before I went into um, administration, I would see leadership in a certain way from those that were leading us at the building level, right? And in my eyes, it was like, oh my gosh, that's a great leader right there. And it's not the only way to lead. Um, And so I'm finding my own journey and my own leadership style that um, the others see in me, but that I don't often see in myself. Um, But lately I've been kind of looking at what it is that makes me unique, right? And, you know, we talk about at one of our groundwork sessions, what is your brand? And um, I asked some of my peers, like, I, I don't know that I can say what my brand is, but can you guys tell me what my brand is? And so hearing from others, what they saw as my brand, which they said, you're, you're authentic. Um, and it wasn't the first time that I heard that, but uh, those are things that sometimes you don't see in yourself. And so I think that's been a trap for me, but now I'm in the journey of uh, just rediscovering my own uniqueness and assets. Um, and I've discovered that, uh, you know, my old uh, way of thinking was that leadership had to be a certain way. And mm-hmm. maybe I was just limited to those leaders that I saw in front of me, but um, I, I'm just rediscovering myself in this journey. Yeah, I, I would say actually Carlos is getting rooted in. He's getting rooted <laughs> in. You're, you're, you're figuring you- out 
um, your own leadership style, your own leadership characteristics. And the one phrase that we have in Rooted Leadership that I love is, is using your suffering well. Mm. And I think you do that quite well. And I think it's, it's, uh, it's helping you enhance your brand. And when you were saying, I asked people what they mm. think my brand is, authentic is the first thing that jumped into my mind. You know, authentic, sincere, collaborative, uh, kind, and um, you always want the best for people. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think those are tremendous qualities of leadership. And that's uh, that's soil work too, mm-hmm. you know, especially as we cultivate that in others. Yeah, it's been interesting in groundwork though, as I talk to other leaders in our community that are, you know, uh, you look at their title at the community level and it's like, oh my goodness, that's the leader that like, that I look up to, right? And, um, but you look at what they have to say and they have the same doubts that I've had. They, they have the same journey that I have. Yeah. So it's been refreshing to, uh, to see ourselves as leaders and this need to be seen as box, um, that outward, uh, mindset, um, you know, has as a, as part of the framework, but yeah, we all kind of navigate that world. Well, we all tend to equate leadership with positional authority. And that is something that is, is prevalent in education and all sectors. If you're in a position of management, then you're seen as a leader. Um, and But you, I'm sure you're familiar with you know a lot of the research and literature relative to leading and managing. And the two go hand in hand. And quite often, we tend to equate leading with managing. But it's a lot more complex than that. It's a lot more deeper and actually demands more of us because sometimes it's, you know, managing is a technical function, leading is an adaptive function. And that's really, I'm glad Chris asked that question because I wanted to bring you back to the running and the reflection. So at the end of the day, and as a soccer player, I'm assuming you run rain or shine, right? Because for soccer, we play rain or shine. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm just I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm. But on as you do run at the end of the day and you reflect on your leadership, how do you measure your impact? You know, or how do you reflect and think about your impact? Because mm-hmm. that's a really important part of leadership. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, we're measured by the results by the the data uh in education um but the way that i measure myself and that i build myself accountable is um asking myself a question like was i intentional in the work that i do was i intentional today um i think that's a way of being for me um and it's a lens um it's for me like working with my heart um and people have consistently reminded me if you work with your heart, um, it's not going to feel like work, right? And I see work as a worship and, you know, uh, going to church and that's the way for me to worship um, through my work. Um, And it's just bigger than myself, but it's that intentionality that I come uh, to work with and being of service to others. uh, That's what fills me and um, allows me to see that as a a job, not, not as a job, but as a profession. Um, being an educator is a, is a profession, not a job. Certainly is a calling, isn't it? Yeah. That's yeah. Great. Well, yeah. One thing uh, I like that Salam said once before, I don't know, a couple of years ago, we were working with a bunch of teachers and you started off talking about how, you know, in education, it's, it's personal for people, you know, um, they get into education because it's personal where, you know, perhaps you, you don't get into sales, let's say, because it's personal to you, you know, but you get into education because it's personal, you care about the cause um and and the kids and the reason why you're doing it so i could definitely 
feel that from you, you know, since I met you and, and, uh, all of our interactions certainly felt it today that, that you're rooted into really why you're, um, why you do what you do. It doesn't matter if you're a teacher, it doesn't matter if you're an administrator, that your reason for why you do what you do is, is the same and it's, it's grounded and it's rooted in, which I think is important, um, for anyone, in, uh, but especially leaders. Um, you know, it, it, we're coming to a close. I think it was interesting, you know, with some of your remarks earlier talking about, you know, your, some of your, your learnings or the failures or the weaknesses that we have, we all have them of comparing to others. Um, I, I find that interesting because it brings us back to what we started with of, mm-hmm. of the fear, you know, what, taking a risk and the, and what is the risk, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we talked about a little bit about reputation. I think that's connected to comparing with others. You talked about how the Arbinger Institute phrases it, the carry boxes, you know, um, the the need to be seen as sort of mentality. Um, and I think the, all of those things are, are connected. And I think that that's probably, you know, one of the biggest fears that that we carry is, is what, what is this, what's going to happen to me if I do this? Or what, what's, what are people going to think about me? How's this going to make me look? Um, and, and we think that way, because again, like you said, we compare ourselves to, to others, right? And so we have something to be able to to judge ourselves on, and and we can go down that rabbit hole, and then it just you know it leads to us becoming unhappy, anxious, you know, overwhelmed, and it's hard for us to be authentic and engage with with individuals um, and be present in the moment. So um, I thought it was interesting that you know we started with that, and we're still kind of on that that similar theme of of when we take we take risks as leader as as leaders, and what is it that's at risk? Um, and I think that we've definitely touched on that today, um, among with among other things. Uh, but to to close, we always like to to ask one of a couple of different questions. And and mm-hmm. it, you know, um, right now, uh, I, this one's coming to mind. Maybe it's because you mentioned your your grandpa, and you can talk a little bit more about him if you want to. But we we always like to ask, uh, you know, who's been a leader in your life or somebody in your life. Um, that you looked up to, you know, as as an example of the type of leader um, uh, that you want to aspire to be, and not in a comparison way, like we were mm-hmm. talking about, that's that's negative, but in an inspirational, motivating way that that pushes you to be your best self. I mean, who is somebody like that um, in your mm-hmm. life? No brainer for me. It's definitely my grandpa, um, and he, uh, you know, he raised thirteen kids. Um, he's a uh, he was a grandfather to 60 before he passed, wow. uh, grandkids. And so um, just his example is something that has transcended um, from my cousins to my second cousins. Um, they all knew his values because of his example. Um, you know, generous man, um, humble, um, hardworking, uh, the risk taker, uh, at 96, um, just resilient, the man would take his his walker and take the city bus at 96. Nothing would stop him. So you would see him going downtown, um, going into a Nordstrom's and figuring out the language piece because he nothing would stop him. So um, I think people saw his kindness, his humility, and his generosity, uh, even if they didn't speak the language. Um, at one time, I remember one of my my little cousins posting or sharing a, a social media uh, post of a, a stranger that took a picture of my grandpa walking the street with his <laughs> with his walker, 
Um, and you know, strangers would see that there'd be times where a stranger would bring my grandpa home. So he didn't take the city bus, but it was just a stranger that brought him home. So yeah, that's the, the man that I look up to yeah. that he would have an I, impact on people that he didn't even know. Yeah. And I would add, uh, to the wonderful attributes that you listed of your grandfather, uh, the one, it's really interesting for me. Some things just jump in my head, you know, I mean, I just get this idea. I would say that what also characterizes him is courage, mm -hmm. you know, the courage to come here at it during World War II, the courage to, to explore, you know, new horizons and, and frontiers that were probably completely foreign to him. Like you said, he's just going north. He didn't know where he was going, but he had the courage to do that. And at 96, it takes a lot of courage to take your walker and get on a bus and go downtown, especially if language is a barrier. So, um, yeah, absolutely. That would be my hero, too. Mm -hmm. um, well, this has been a, a, an insightful episode, uh, Carlos. It's been really fun having you in studio and learning from you. Um, obviously, we could you know, spend a couple of more hours um, in discussion. There's a lot to, to always talk about, but I uh, appreciate you and 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 you know, the, the question, uh, that I want to leave with folks, I already left that one about, you know, seeing the humanity in others, but you know, the big one is, are you willing to, to take risks as, as leaders and not, not the type of risks that necessarily benefit you, but the type of risks that are benefiting other people. Um, I think those are the type of risks that we need to be, um, uh, taking and considering, or, you know, and, and thinking about the ones that are are going to benefit others. What's in it for other people when we, when we take those risks? Cause at the end of the day, for me, that's always what makes it worth it. Um, uh, you know, the self gaining risks, uh, those are short lived. Um, but the ones that we take, um, that are going to better and, and help other people are, are the ones worth, worth taking. So something I want everybody to, to think about, but, uh, Carlos again, um, you know, I really appreciate you. Um, and I hope you know that, I, that I mean that I enjoy our friendship. And I enjoy, um, I look forward to many years um, being able to, to collaborate and, and, and even lean on you in the community as a, as a leader. Because I, you know, I imagine that you'll, you'll um, be around um, for a while and you have an open runway of a career ahead of you. And so I'm excited about that and I'm, I'm excited to, to be along in the journey. Um, you're a great person and, and, a, and a great leader and, and influencer in our community. So appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you and Salam for being friends and mentors and um, you're a gift to our community. And yeah, I, I'm in mile six of a marathon. So um, <laughs> it'll be a, it'll be a journey. A marathon's always a journey. Yeah. So thank you guys. Yeah, of course. Thank you, Carlos. And always remember, you don't have to go alone. So we, yeah. I want to echo everything that Chris said, and and this has been just just total pleasure and and privilege just to to be with you and to be a part of this conversation. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll be running the marathon with you. I might not be as fast. <laughs> I might be huffing and puffing behind you, but <laughs> I'll be running with you, man. I'll be on the sidelines giving you water. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, that's uh, that's all for today. Thank you for tuning in. As always, be safe. Uh, and take care until next time. Um, we'll see you later. <laughs>